0: Hey, everybody, I'm Garrett.
1: And I'm Melissa.
0: We've been married for eight years and have two kids, Caleb and Sadie.
1: Over the last few years, we have fallen in love with the scriptures and are learning how digging into God's word has helped us grow deeper with each other and those around us.
0: We want to be real about our lives, our struggles, and our joys.
1: This is Growing Deeper. Hey, guys,
0: before we get to the podcast, just want to remind you to rate and review the podcast. That'll Make sure that if somebody looks up Exodus or Ruth, uh, that they will be able to pull up our podcasts and, and see what we have to say on different sections of the Bible. Also, if you have any questions or comments or things that you want to share with us, uh, you can email us now. We now have an email address of Podcast at gmail.com. That's growingdeeperpodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Even just uh, saying, hey, we're listening and really appreciate it or something like that. I don't know. Uh, shoot us an email we'd love to hear from you now on to the podcast
1: welcome back we are going to be moving on from nahum and and micah and jonah and all the
0: the minor prophets the, of death and the destruction. darkness
1: <laughs> we're going <laughs> yeah. um no we thought maybe we needed to do something a little lighter a little easier to study and so we've decided on roof Yep. and i think it's something that a lot of people are a little bit more familiar with the story. And if you're not, that's okay too. Um, because it's going to be a lot easier to go through this than, than some of the things that we've been doing.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll move back to narrative. It, yeah. like Narrative is just so much, like we're so much more used to reading narrative as opposed to biblical poetry. Biblical poetry is just so jam-packed. You make it through three verses and you can spend an hour on it, which we probably did a couple times and uh, but with narrative, they're just you know it it flows better, and you 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 feel more a part of the story uh with biblical narrative, and so I'm looking forward to that aspect of it for sure,
1: yeah, so I thought something that would be um kind of unique for this book for us to do is to start out um with our kind of icebreaker question is kind of and it's kind of related to this book because I think this book has a lot of finding out these characters core values um and what really is important to these people in this book. And so I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about um some of our personal core values, some some values that we hold really mm-hmm. dear. Yeah. So you want to start?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for me uh what it it's almost to uh, like an extreme fault sometimes. Um, but I I think like my major quality, I guess that I, that like, I just hold in such high esteem is just like extreme loyalty, um, is that like, I'm very loyal to people, um, to where like, I, I feel like if somebody asked it of me, it's like, I'll just, I'll run through, you know, brick walls for people. And that's why I um, married him. (laughs) yeah. Yeah, no, like, but like just extreme loyalty in that, you know that i don't know i i want people to know that they mean something to me and that no matter what happens in our relationship that it's like i'm still here for you and i'm gonna fight for our relationship and it's not like it. it's a just a never give up mentality my dad used to tell me all the time you just um well he would always say never say die boy you know and um but that always stuck with me of like, just like, I remember singing in a truck with him one time. I think we were on, uh, I was on my way to like play football or something, which I only played in my, in my life. I only played two years of football whenever I was in like fourth grade and when I was in eighth grade. And, uh, I think whenever, whenever I was in fourth grade, I remember, uh, we were on the way to a game in his truck and, uh the, the song, uh, I get knocked down, but I get up again, came on, you know, and he was like, oh, I, I guess he was like, this is a great teaching moment, you know, like <laughs> we're on our way to go play football. It's like, you're going to get knocked over son. So just get back up. Um, but no, it's just like, I think that that has just been instilled in me of like this idea of that no matter what, um, no matter what happens to a, a particular relationship, it's always redeemable in that you can, you can fight for it, and it's worth it, and uh, and I, I think that that's something that it, it's just like uh, that's just innate in me that that is, is, part of who I am. It's something that I value really highly. Um, do you have any other thoughts on that aspect of me, or like? What? Oh yeah,
1: I mean it's. You're just you are just like loyal to a a, a fault of even if it's like. A situation that's hurting you you still want to which is like a good thing and a, a really good thing and then sometimes I guess it can not be a great thing but yeah. um, overall I think it's a really good thing and something that we need more of in society I feel like but maybe that's because I also have that as like yeah it's probably my second I, one. <laughs> I, I think
0: both of us just are like that that's part of what makes our relationship so strong is that we both know deep down, it, it's like that person's not going to, you know, not going to betray me. You know, mm-hmm. that, that we're going to be loyal to each other. We're going to work out problems. And there may be times where that those problems are really uncomfortable and unfun. um. But we're going to get through it and we're going to be better for it in the end. And I, I think, like, that's always the hope that I have in those situations. that it's just like, this really sucks right now, but if I stick with it, that we're going to have a better relationship afterwards. And I don't know that that's always true, but I I try like I mm-hmm. I just have like this perpetual hope that it will be that way. Yeah. Um and which is what like keeps me going with it. Yeah. So, what what's yours?
1: For mine, um it's for some reason it's a word that has stuck in my head has been stuck in my head for a long time and that's integrity. Um and just like just, like, a a definition, I guess, would be, like, having the character quality of being honest, reliable, and fair, um, I also, it's also, like, you know, what do you do when nobody's watching, or, like, making choices, um, that are not for your own self, but, like, um, you know, what is the right thing to do, and not that I always, (laughs) you know, uh, make the perfect decision, but I think that it's something that I will literally sometimes take the route that's going to be harder for me or not as much personal gain for me because I'm so – maybe it's out of fear, too, of just, like, doing the wrong thing, the mm-hmm. morally wrong thing, yeah. the ethically wrong thing. Yeah. And so I, it's, I don't always – I'm not going to risk – like seeking personal gain, if I think it's kind of a sketchy way of getting there, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. You know, no, I, I think.
0: I mean, you're, you're very much a rule follower. Yeah, you know, you've, you've always been that, and that it's like if there's a possibility, this, this might even be close to being wrong, then there's no way we're gonna do it. It, it's like, uh, it'll even be, like you. <laughs> If it was like using a coupon after date, oh yeah, I wouldn't even well, try. Don't even Let's say, let's even say try. there's like a dollar off a dollar ice cream, at at McDonald's, <laughs> and it expired yesterday. There is not a chance that Melissa will try to use that coupon today, because it expired yesterday. And if they catch me, I might go to jail, and then I might <laughs> go like. <laughs> They're going to arrest me, and then the kids are going to be stuck at McDonald's by themselves while I'm in jail. You yeah, know, so, um, <laughs> So, but, wow. like, I, I think, like, you you take well, it even I to think, that level sometimes. I think,
1: um, you know, like, if we're on a hiking trail, and it's like, do not cross this, you know, rope thing or whatever, and you're like, ooh, let's go see what's over there. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, you better not, son. Like, <laughs> <laughs> get back over here. This is actually kind of that, a true story. That is
0: a true story. Um, it's like, do not cross. And I'm <laughs> like, I just want to see, I'm not going to, nothing's going to happen.
1: He's uh, better about not doing that now that we have kids and they'll go and potentially, you know, right. Hurt themselves. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think in general, I just being honest is something and, and doing the right thing. I feel like is a lot of times something that is in my control and, I I don't know. I think uh like nobody can take that away from you. Mm-hmm. Um which I mean loyalty is the same way, but I just I've I heard something a while back that was like, you know, nobody can take away your integrity. They can take away maybe your reputation or whatever, but like just always being honest and and trying to do always seeking out doing the right things um it's just Nobody can take that away from you.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say that's a like. When we compare the two, I I really think like integrity is a better, a better thing to like want than just necessarily loyalty for the sake of loyalty. Like, yeah, for me, but, but for, so, yeah,
1: but sometimes my integrity might be out of fear, and so that's right. like that, that's well, true. Yeah, yeah, know.
0: but yeah, I guess I think like with loyalty, it's like there's a lot of people that have been loyal to really bad people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah you know yeah. Like, like
0: so you know loyalty by itself not all that great um but you know it's like whenever there's a deeper level to it loyalty's awesome yeah. uh it's just that like continual faithfulness to something or someone no matter what they do to you yeah. or what they um yeah you know, and and not to a point of like i'm gonna go hurt other people for you know this loyalty that I have for this person, but even you know, i i i think you get the levels of it like there's de- there's definitely varying levels of loyalty, some are dangerous and some are but it's just like i i i see it more of a uh um a direction of that no matter how far gone you feel like you are, you're not, and i'm gonna see you through it yeah um and uh, and then integrity for integrity for you it's like yeah there's aspects of it that is like hey you need to be pulled out of that fear yeah um to so that you can grow in different ways um you know and that's not actually a detriment to your integrity even though it feels like it is in that moment um so yeah i, th- I think like it, it's interesting when we you talk about traits like that there are like negative aspects of it, even though, like in our They're, in our society, like they would both maybe. seem to be positive words, yeah. Yeah. you know. Um. So, and that's not all that different in, you know, but really in any language, I yeah. guess that um, you have these things that usually have positive aspects, but really, can have some negative things go on with it.
1: Yeah, and um, I mean, I think, like I, it can kind of haunt me at times if I feel like I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um. Been a person of integrity. And so that's why I think it, it is one of my core values is because it's something that when I feel like I'm not falling in line with that, it bothers me more. Mm-hmm. And so um, maybe more than some other things, you know, like if I'm not loyal to someone to a fault, yeah. it might not bother me as much as the idea of me not, um, you know, feel like I was being honest with somebody or like doing the right thing in a certain situation. Yeah.
0: So um. I I think both of those feed into this book um, really, really well. Um, there's uh, the characters in the book of Ruth are all just, I mean, there there's not I don't know that there's really any bad characters in the book of Ruth. Um, you're kind of given some examples of like, all right, well, look at these characters and see what you think about them. Um, but for the most part, the, you know these characters are upright. Um, and I think the theme of loyalty is throughout it. Steadfast love, I think that um, that word that just keeps coming up in every podcast that we have hesed, mm-hmm. uh, the of the steadfast and covenantal love that love that is perpetual no matter what, uh, the other covenant partner does. Mm-hmm. Um, hesed is just like. It doesn't actually, it doesn't matter what you do in the relationship. I am still here for you and here to redeem you. And then like redemption is a whole other theme that comes up in this book. I mean, I think redemption shows up 23 times in this book. Um, and then hesed, I think is given as an example throughout it. And so we'll get to, we'll get to do that as we go through this book. Um, <clears throat> so I'm just going to kind of set up, uh, like I said, for every book that you start, we, you got to know where you are in the setting. Uh, you have to know where it's set uh in order to know its context what what are some things that we should be looking for what are things that um would if we know its context would be weird to us um and so um the this book opens up and it kind of gives you it immediately gives you the context um in uh, in verse one it says and it happened in the days when the judges ruled so it's giving you information about what's happening here. Um, for our, our English Bibles, um, this book, the Book of Ruth, um, is going to show up after the Book of Judges. Okay, so that's the we ordered it. Uh, traditionally, in Christian Bibles, it's ordered uh, chronologically, um, and so Ruth is set after Judges because of that line right there. That hey it happened in the day of the judges. So it's fairly good that you you might would need to know something about the judges before you start mm-hmm. reading Ruth. Uh, in the Hebrew Bible, this is in the Ketuvim, uh, which is the, la- the the writings. So it's actually set at the end, on the other end, like at the far end of, of the collection uh, as a part of the writings with Esther. So Esther would be part of it. And whenever we read this, we're going to see a lot of connections with Esther. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of um, very similar literary style, um, you know, uh, characters are very important with this. And women are a... It's like the key uh, of this book, just like Esther was. Um, so there's a lot of commonality between them. So I think in both places, there's some things that we can learn from it. But whenever they said it in the book of Judges, like in the days of the Judges, there's some things that really need to clue in to us as we as we start this. Um, and the main one that I, I think I really want to highlight is that Judges isn't really a, a book about good Israelites. Um, the, the entirety of the book of Judges is really how um, Israel spirals out of control uh, after Joshua dies. Um, and they just continually and perpetually get further and further away from God. Everything is in disarray. They fall away from God. He returns to them and he saves them. And then they repeat the cycle over and over again. Especially the book of Judges is not good to women. Um, women have a very very uh, hard story written in the book of Judges. They're not treated well, and it's not because women aren't supposed to be treated well. It's highlighting that they aren't treated well, mm-hmm. um, even though they were supposed to be the ones being taken care of. Uh, in that society, they were supposed to be the ones that were looked after, and instead, all they are is property in the book of Judges. Uh, and that's part of... You know, they're just totally mistreated. There is one horrific story uh, at the end of Judges, um, the of just a woman that's just completely mistreated and murdered um because of uh the actions of, of the men and, and judges. It's not a good thing. It is absolutely a bad thing. And that's the point of judges is that they've completely gone away from God. So you're set in this this scene. That's the that's the setting. So a this is a book that's set in a time that sucks for women and that um that men are not good and not following God. That's the setting. Mm-hmm. And so we, we're kind of, we have some expectations as we lead into this. So uh, that that's uh, in general what's going on here. Um, I will talk briefly about Moab. Um, so Moab's going to come up. Ruth is from Moab. And we're going to see that in this first reading. Um, but Ruth is from Moab. So there's some expectations that are set there. Um, Moab there's a story back in numbers we talked about this on the podcast before there's a book there's a story in numbers about a guy named Balaam um and Balaam is a prophet he has a donkey who's very charismatic um and he uh, yeah, anyways uh, <laughs> anyways uh the donkey gets in his way that's the main that's the mo- most popular story of of Balaam uh is his donkey uh whenever the donkey talks Um, but, uh, Balaam is hired by Balak, Balak or Balak, the king of Moab. He's hired by them to give a curse to the Israelites as they're wandering in the desert. Okay. So that's, that's like the first interaction they have with each other and they haven't trusted each other ever since. So they're, they're like mortal enemies. They're also Mm -hmm. like tied in Genesis to Lot. So Lot would be like to them, they're, they're sort of tied but ultimately Israel just sees them as their enemies for the most part or at, le- at the very least they distrust them heavily um so that's kind of the setting so you want to read the first section here
1: yeah all right so ruth chapter 1 in the days when the judges ruled there was a famine in the land and a man from bethlehem in judah together with his wife and two sons went to live for a while in the country of moab the man's name was elimelech his wife's name naomi And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. They went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughter daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah.
0: So the the what what we're set with here, we kind of get this opening scene of a uh, uh, a family um that is in the middle of a famine uh that moves to Moab. Uh because the famine is really bad and they need to find something to eat and so they go to Moab to try to find something to eat. Uh and to for this guy Elimelech uh to take care of his family. I I think uh names in this are really interesting. Uh Elimelech his his name means God is king. Um almost out of uh, really bad irony uh he, he has two sons Malan and Killian um and Malen means to fall sick um and Killian means uh to uh retire or to to <laughs> die okay to fade away to what, vanish what
1: were they thinking
0: yeah so they named these two okay so I just wanted to just kind of throw that out there. I mean, it, it's really interesting that these two characters are named, you know, deathly sick and dying or dead. And, you know, what happens to them is that they get sick and they die. Um, and so um, it's, I think there's some literary things going on there of just kind of the, you know, but some play on words a little mm-hmm. bit um, of giving them these names, but they ultimately, you know, all three of them um ultimately die um and this woman Naomi um is left. Um her name means uh, kindness. Um and then uh and then Ruth, her name means um let me see here. It it's like a living water. So to drink one's fill, to be refreshed, to give drink abundantly or water thoroughly. Mm-hmm. So there's just some interesting things going on with these names, uh. That Ruth is this filling up of water, uh, to be refreshed, um, you know. So I I think I think there's there's some stuff going on there with that, but ultimately this this opening scene is kind of sad. Um, that Naomi is kind of just left, um, her everything that matters to her as far as her two sons and her husband are dead. Um, she's in a land that's not her own. Um, and they moved away uh to Moab. So you have any you have any thoughts on, on uh, this?
1: One of my biggest takeaways <clears throat> from just this section is um emphasizing how they are from originally from Bethlehem. Um and when we studied Micah, um, you know, Micah kind of prophesied that, you know, Jesus would ultimately be yeah born there in would Bethlehem. be a future
0: king that would rise yeah. up out of nobody Bethlehem right yeah. right
1: and um yeah I thought that that was really interesting when we studied Micah to kind of realize that Bethlehem's not this like major city like you know it's like a small humble beginnings kind of place that's like more an outskirt area mm. and um, so kind of you know me knowing that ultimately from This book, you know, Ruth is in the geneal like in the genealogy because this leads to Boaz, which that's spoiler alert. Boa, a man named Boaz, is also going to be in this book, and um, it ultimately leads to King David. Ultimately, you know, (laughs) fast forward to Jesus, and so um, just knowing that and kind of seeing how it's it's emphasized that you know Ruth's, um, you know that her husband's family was from Bethlehem. It's just kind of interesting, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, you kinda go, What are the odds? Yeah. Um yeah. that they would they would be from Bethlehem. And I mean, you know, it's I don't know. I just think it's kind of a neat thing that they're emphasizing there, especially now that I know that Bethlehem is not some Yeah, in in this
0: setting, Bethlehem's nobody Bethlehem I mean it's like how I think it's like House of Bread. Is what they're what that means, mm-hmm. um, but it's not a, like a really important place, um, except for you know, it, like the in the setting, it wasn't that way. But after David was born, uh, and after David reigned, that became a big deal, you know, with Bethlehem, um, and you know, then Micah would highlight that, um, even though it was like a nobody town.
1: Something um, else that we had kind of talked about that I thought was just interesting <clears throat> to think about that I hadn't really thought about before. Was, um, you know, melon and Killian, it says that they had lived there about 10 years, um, at, like when they died, mm-hmm. that they had lived in um, Moab for about 10 years. And it just kind of, um, I realized that neither one of them had any, or at least there's no mention, and it doesn't seem like there's any kids. No,
0: the way that this um, story would continue. And, would, and we it's don't, not,
1: yeah, yeah, and we don't know at what point they got Married. married yeah um so we don't know if it was like within the first year that they were in moab or if it was somewhere in the middle or if it was towards the you know a year before they died um but it's just it's kind of something interesting to think about given how you know you would have thought that they would have the chances are that they would have had a, an had heir a i'll say yeah. heir at that point yeah but yeah they did um And so that's kind of interesting, but then that also kind of highlights to me that, you know, at most, they knew Naomi for 10 years Mm -hmm. um, as we move forward in this story. So, like, at most, they had known her for 10 years, but, I mean, most likely, it would have been less than that. Right, (laughs) right. I mean, you know, obviously, because... Um, you get to know the family there, <laughs> and you're like,
0: all right, Corkship, I don't know that we want. I don't want know. to. I
1: don't know that we want to marry into that family. Yeah. Um. So you know, it's just kind of kind of interesting to think about that from a time perspective. is something that I never really considered before. Yeah. Just keeping that in mind as we move forward. I guess. One
0: thing too, um, to highlight, and I like themes. Like if you haven't caught onto that yet, I, I'm big on a the theme. Big so. theme guy. Yeah. No, I'm I'm big on themes, and so like whenever I see a repeated theme it means something to me and i feel like i should highlight it and see how it develops um but this isn't the first time we've heard of a group of people moving out of a location because of a famine and going outside of their land mm-hmm. uh this is this is a repeated theme throughout scripture abraham's the first one to do it um he uh you know he he god tells him to leave the land uh he actually leaves babylon he goes into uh, the land, which is the promised land. And he says, hey, this is the place I'm going to give you, right? And um, they have that whole number of the skies, your number of the stars in the sky is going to be your descendants. But it says that they, there's a famine. And so what happens is that Abraham takes his family and they go to Egypt. And some bad things happen in Egypt. Uh, Abraham it says, no, this woman who is Sarah, his wife, this is my sister. Uh, he lies about the whole situation, and Sarah gets put in a precarious situation, um, and she's kind of used and abused. And then, you know, God delivers them from it, and then they go make their way back uh, to the promised land. Um, Isaac would do the same thing; he would repeat the same story, uh, and then the children of Israel would be just exactly that. Whenever they go into Egypt. Um, Jacob actually then goes into Egypt because there's a great famine. And Joseph knows what's up because he's already in Egypt. Uh, he knows what's up. There's a famine uh, which drives Jacob and his family into Egypt. And um, and it begins with a lot of promise. But then um, the story of the Exodus would pick up and it's not so promising anymore. And so we have the same theme here. We see there's a famine, this family of dude named God is king. Um, is sent, they go into Moab, they go into a foreign land, um, and bad things happen, not necessarily because God causes them, you know, it's like, it, or because they did something bad, that wasn't the case. In the t- case of the Exodus, Israel didn't do anything wrong. They were just in Exodus, and the the Pharaoh, Pharaoh was bad. Um, And so for this one, it's not because they did anything necessarily wrong, it's just that bad things happened to them while they were there. And so... Um, we kind of have that repeated theme and, um, but now we have this widow and the, and her two daughters-in-law and you're like, what's going to happen? You're in Moab, right?
1: Yeah. Well, and it's sort of like this little glimpse of a blessing though, that, you know, that the Lord has come to the aid of his people to where, um, to where Naomi has gone through such great loss that may, that now she has an opportunity to return to her homeland. Yeah. At the very least. Um, you know, it's like a little glimpse of a blessing for her, I think.
0: Yeah. So well and I think that this is following the Exodus story. So they mm-hmm. they're gonna leave they're gonna leave the the foreign land and they're gonna return mm-hmm. to the promised land. So you're kinda picking up on the theme, but they're in Moab and then these two daughters so like some yeah. things aren't lining up. Yeah. But most of it is. It's like okay, is this going to be a good thing? It seems like good things are happening, which yeah. is what the Exodus story does too. Um, so and that God provides for them in the wilderness and all that stuff, and they finally make it to the promised land. So we'll continue. Uh, what do we we want we to do? do eight. eight through fifteen. Okay. But Naomi said to her two daughters in law, "Go, each of you, and return to her mother's house. May Yahweh show kindness to you, just as you did with the dead and with me." May Yahweh grant that you find a resting place, each in the house of her husband. And she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices, and they cried. And they said to her, No, we want to return with you to your people. And Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why do you still want to go with me? Are there sons in my womb that I may uh, be husbands for you? Turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should think there is hope for me, even if I should have a husband this night, and even if I should bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is far more bitter to me than to you. For the hand of Yahweh has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voices and cried again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her, and she said, "Look, your sister-in-law has returned to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law too." So, what are your what are your thoughts on that part of the story here?
1: Um. Well, something that I've kind of noticed upon reading this again is just, um kind of looking at digging in a little bit more to Naomi's character. Mm. I think a lot of times we dig into um, Ruth's character and yeah. Orpah's character even, and um, without even really noticing that, um, you know, we were just talking about integrity and and the idea of putting others um, above, like, putting, I guess, maybe the idea of putting needs of others above like what might be personal gain for you trying yeah. to do what's right for those people yeah. um what's morally correct for 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 Orpa what's morally correct for Ruth in the eyes of Naomi Yeah. and um you know from her perspective it would probably be a personal gain for her to have her daughter-in-laws with her sure. daughters in-law I don't know how you say that anyway yeah. with her um as opposed to them going back. But yeah. she knows she has nothing to offer them. And so for her to do that and to say, you know what, I'm just going to be alone, um, I think that really shines a light to me on her character. Yeah, because she as could well. easily
0: guilt them into being like, you married my son. Yeah, and you're you need part to of my family of now. now. Yeah. You need to help. You need to take care of me. And I mean, like, I, I, I can't emphasize enough how hopeless this would be. Remember, time of judges. Things are not good for women Mm -hmm. in this situation, in this time period. Um, To be a widow in an ancient Near Eastern culture is not good. That's why the Bible speaks out so much about taking care of the widows and the orphans. You Mm -hmm. have no one to look after you as a widow. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is so important that you have that and that protection. So for Naomi and her two daughters-in-law to be widows is very vulnerable it's a very vulnerable situation and for her to say to her daughters-in-law go home it makes her even more vulnerable. Yeah,
1: I mean and she's saying, you know, go go find another husband so that yeah. you're not in my position anymore. Um yeah.
0: or go home go home uh, yeah. so they can take care of you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um so she's she's trying to um do what's best for them in and she's not like looking out for number one you yeah. know, necessarily which I think that that's really cool and admirable because I think when we first read through this, you know, I was kind of thinking about how Naomi is really like expressing so much about how she feels um, like
0: God has reached out against her. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and she's just, you know, kind of goes with that idea of integrity of being honest with her feelings Mm -hmm. about that. She, you know, God must be against me. It totally feels that way for her. Yeah. And I mean, I think it kind of I don't know, it kind of shows me like it's it's kind of what we tell Caleb of like it's okay to have the feelings. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's, you know, necessarily true. Right. Um but it's a it's understandable why she would feel that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so like she and we we just kind of touched on that. She everything that she is experiencing she's like the she feels like Yahweh has reached out against her. Mm -hmm. And remember, like I did tie this to the Exodus story. There's a reason for that is that in the Exodus story, God had not reached out against them. Mm -hmm. They were being oppressed by something else uh, that was outside of that. And, um, you know, and Yahweh heard her, heard their cry. And the question is, is Yahweh going to hear her cry? Mm -hmm. And, you know, they felt like, you know the hand of god was against them but it wasn't really um you know she feels the same way and the question is is it and it you know she didn't do anything wrong yeah and so um it would it would be natural for them to feel that way though i think that's very much built into their culture is that like if bad things are happening to you it's because you did something bad yeah um that's exactly what the disciples are dealing with whenever they're going around and seeing hey this you know, blind or lame man, what are what do you think his sins were, Jesus? Yeah. And Jesus is like it's not the sins of anybody. Like this is for the glory of God.
1: Yeah.
0: Um and so they they're very much dealing with that whenever they're walking around with Jesus and he's trying to confront it. Yeah. Um
1: And at the same time I think while she recognizes Uh, or while she says, you know, that the Lord is against her, I think she does also, in a way, recognize the Lord's kindness. Yes. um, Because she can see that kindness in Ruth and Orpah Mm -hmm. and how they've handled all this situation. And I think you see it too when she, um, in the the first section when it's like, the Lord had come to the aid of his people. I think, in a way, that kind of shows me that Naomi was kind Crediting God, to like, you know, getting her people out of the famine, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then also just the idea of this this kindness that she recognizes. Yeah, the Lord and she does said provide. she
0: she wishes hesed for them. Um, so it says in verse eight, may Yahweh show hesed to you, just like you did it to me. Um, and so I I think that that's really cool. Whenever that comes up, I I think that's a huge theme of this book is hesed and. You know how these characters exude it mm-hmm. um, and, and bring it forward and I also want to point out orpa di- didn't do anything wrong either it's not like she abandoned you know like this was something that it did make a lot of sense for her to go home mm-hmm. you know Naomi had no means of taking care of her uh and she had no way of taking care of naomi so um Orpa didn't do anything wrong but what's highlighted is the awesome um you know uh and, and well I guess we haven't quite gotten to this yet um but um the hesed of of Ruth. Yeah. Um and um so I I think I think that's what's interesting. It's like it's not necessarily wrong for Orpa, but that's not what's being highlighted. What's being highlighted is instead of another this characteristic uh that Ruth has.
1: One one last thing that I wanted to touch on before we read the rest of this chapter is um how they wept together and it says mm-hmm. that they did that twice and to me um it kind of reminds me of weep with those who weep rejoice mm-hmm. with those who re- rejoice and i can just almost picture them like with their arms around each other and um to me it's just an example of how when people in our community are hurting that it is like sometimes the response is not words it's just um being there with them and being you know like acknowledging a terrible situation of yeah. just you know this stinks and, uh, and let's it's, just and it's nobody's fault and It's nobody's fault and let's just kind of cry together just yeah. have a have a moment and it, I mean honestly, I had a rough day with Caleb yesterday and for the first time in a couple of months <laughs> because of coronavirus and trying to be very careful around my parents and everything, I hugged my mom. Um, and I just, we just kind of had a moment together and it kind of, it just, it just reminds me of this. Um, I hope I don't cry right now. Uh, but, but it just kind of, it, it reminds me of this, of, of the fact that we kind of need that community and we need that relief sometimes to be able to be together in that way.
0: Yeah. There's something very, I I think there's actually something very real, like, relieving about actually crying with somebody yeah you know like even like nobody wants to cry but when you do like there is this sensation of like release Mm -hmm. um of like letting something go that you're kind of like bottling up yeah um and so you know i I think i think it's pointed that like they they weep together And and you know what she's gonna have and they wept again she's gonna have a descendant that's gonna like one of the biggest questions that anybody asks is why did he weep yeah You know, like somebody, like so many people have been like, why did he cry? You know, why did, why did Jesus weep over something? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and so that, that's going to be something that's, that's asked later. But yeah, and it's totally highlighted as not something to be shameful of. Like, this is not a shame in here. This is actually like, wow, how awesome is this relationship that they have, that they're not actually, um, they're not blood relatives, but that they're weeping together. These mm-hmm. Moabite women, these Moabite women with this Israelite, that mm-hmm. they're weeping together uh, and showing extreme hesed for one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, it's just really cool um, to think about it like that. Um, so you want to finish this?
1: All right, I'm going to pick up in verse 16. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning.
0: So... <clears throat> For this particular section, I mean, like, it's almost like she's like, would you just shut up, Naomi? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, really. But she she is just like, be quiet. I, I am here for you, and there's nothing that you can do to stop that. Mm-hmm. Um. And so it's better if you just stop asking me to leave now rather than continuing to bug me about it because I'm not leaving you. Yeah. And it is just like, The Hesed of Ruth is just so highlighted here, and this is the most. This is probably the most popular section, most quoted section, uh, from Ruth. Uh, a lot of times it's quoted at at weddings and stuff. Um, and of the, you know what? I'm not abandoning you, and I'm not leaving you here by yourself. You know, even though I could, and I have every right to. Even though I could and I have every right to, I am not leaving you, and that is so much of the character of God um of who he is that Ruth is act Ruth, this Moabite woman is exuding the character of God uh to to this woman Naomi um who you know who she has no business like it like God has he has no need for us mm-hmm. um and he has no need for Israel but you know Exodus thirty four that is that is right after they have they've completely broken the covenant. God has every right to walk out. And he says, no, I'm actually, I'm sticking through it with you. Um, and there's nothing, there's nothing that you're going to do that's going to make me give up on this relationship. And they, they do everything they can to try to make God give up on that relationship. That is what the book of Hosea is all about. I think this book in Hosea is all about the hesed of God um, and displaying that through these people and Ruth is just she is absolutely like the apex of hes- Hesed, uh, in exuding God's character that way, um, and so that that's it right there. Whenever you know sixteen through, um, through seventeen is just like I'm I'm never gonna forsake you.
1: I feel like in addition to showing her loyalty to Naomi, she's also showing a loyalty to God, um, of kind of <clears throat> like a. A con a conversion story. Um, because if you notice Orpah, I mean she's talking when Naomi is talking to Orpah, she's saying, you know, go back to your people and your lowercase G gods. Mm -hmm. Um and so kind of acknowledging that they did not necess they did not follow Yahweh. Um and so Ruth is is sitting here saying, Naomi, I am with you, and uh acknowledging who Yahweh is. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just kind of like this double commitment that she's making, that yeah. she's not just making a commitment to Naomi, but that she's making a commitment to God. Yeah. And this section, I mean, you know, and sometimes we kind of laugh about, um, you know, how difficult the um, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law relationship can be and how it's kind of funny that it's used in weddings because it's like, huh, I never <laughs> you know like I wouldn't just go with my mother in law anywhere or whatever, you know, follow her you mean know, be that loyal to her I or whatever. Would. I would. Oh okay. Well so, you, <laughs> I'm just saying No, but I mean I'm just saying in general that is the perception that we have of Yeah, the mother in law and daughter in law relationship of like this is just so unbelievable that this scenario would happen. Um and, and that it's kind of funny that it's used in weddings since it's um between a mother in law and daughter in law, um, but you know, really just highlighting the commitment here of the 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 point is not who it's between. The point is the commitment and the covenant that's being um, made here. In my opinion, yeah, um, and just how significant. And going back to what we were talking about earlier with yours being loyalty, this is the kind of loyalty we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Of just like to a fault. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Um, And yeah, it might not always be the best. She doesn't really, she doesn't know what's to come. Ruth doesn't know what's to come. And so it might not be in her best interest to be this, you know, loyal to a fault. She doesn't know yet, you yeah. know, Um, but she's choosing that anyway. And she's making that commitment no matter what. And it's like just this unconditional love. Yeah. And I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah. And so <clears throat> they actually make their trip back um to bethlehem um and what what happens here is they're like who are you you like are they're like is that Naomi like I, you know like everybody's stirred up and mm-hmm. um it causes a lot of discomfort in the the crowd at a uh, in, in bethlehem and you know i i can't tell if it's inherently negative if it's like oh that is Naomi who went to moab you know like i, I can't tell one way or another if it's like negative that oh you guys abandoned us and went to moab
1: or if it's like you're back yeah (laughs) i I get
0: the sense it's it's probably negative but not that's not definitive um and it's like oh it's naomi and then she's got her daughter-in-law that's a moabite oh great a a moabite um and uh and so there there and then she says don't call me naomi instead call me Mara. Um, and so that's a play on word. Um, so in verse 20, it says, you should not call me Naomi. Call me Mara for, for Shaddai, the almighty uh, has caused me to be very bitter. The word there is my, has caused me to be very Marar. Uh So call me Marah because my life is Marah. And it's because of, she, she attributes it to God has done this to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, and that's not, that's, not standing by itself there has been another instance in israel's history where their life was made marar and that was in egypt Um, and so there we just continue to have that theme and so i think the question that we have as we end chapter one is it's the same question of the exodus is god going to be the same for them like we see the themes of exodus but is God going to be the same for them as He was for the Israelites in Exodus? This is a Moabite woman, and they left, you know, um, and so that that question is kind of left hanging on the table uh, after chapter one, and so the rest of it is going to be, well, does He does He, you know, take care of them the way that He took care of us, or does He treat them differently because they're Moabites, you know, or she's a Moabite? Um, and so i think I think that's where we are. Do you have any other thoughts on this
1: uh do you want to maybe mention the significance of uh maybe the barley harvest at the end of this oh
0: okay um so this is typically read um actually at um the what's it's traditionally read at pentecost um so Pentecost would be the celebration of whenever um the israelites leave it leave. Egypt. And then uh, seven times seven days plus one, they uh, would end up at the mountain. Um, And so Pentecost is the celebration of the covenant um, that's made. And that would usually happen around the barley harvest. And so this, it's almost like they're leaving, yeah, you know, like you just sense all this Exodus stuff going on. But the barley harvest is like the second harvest you would have um, the wheat harvest, I think would be the first one. You would have the first fruits. That would be at Passover. Mm -hmm. And then the barley harvest is the second, or the second fruits, um, which would happen somewhere around 50 days later, maybe, you know, plus or minus. Like, you can't just, like, tell when barley's going to be ready to harvest. But um, so I I think there, and and also there's this, remember, like, this started with a famine. And so now we're talking about a harvest. Mm -hmm. So there's this, like, front and back to this chapter It's like, oh, well, it started with a famine, now it's with a harvest. What's changing in this story? Like, it seems like a lot of bad things happened up front. Naomi is empty. This chapter is about how Naomi has been left empty. And so the question is, is this woman, Ruth, whose name means filling up of water, is she going to, is Naomi going to be filled up? Um, And so there's this, there's so many things, I think, that are like playing on themselves literarily that are very interesting, um, and uh, and so you're left with kind of those questions. You you got the harvest. What's going to happen at the harvest? Um, and so I I, I do want to close off with, um, with one thing. Uh, this is this is a quote that I love. Uh, it's not from it's not from any of the movies, uh, but from Lord of the Rings. Just like every other quote I probably give. <laughs> it's um, not a Harry Potter. Uh, there there's a scene in the book where um frodo is trying to leave the shire he's trying to get out of the shire on his own um and he doesn't want anybody to follow him um and he is just like he, he doesn't want to put his friends at risk and really frodo is like an older character in the books he's like much older uh, than mary and pippin and sam he's much more father figure to them in the books whereas in the movies they're all like buddies. Mm-hmm. Um but anyways, he um he's trying to get out on his own and Mary and Pippin catch up with him. And they have this scene where you know like Frodo is trying to get him get them to leave him. Like don't go with me, this is hard. Yeah. I can't let you go with me. And this is what they said to him. He said they, uh, they say and you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than uh, you can keep it yourself, but you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone. And go off without a word. We are your friends, Frodo.